Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Greg's on holiday, not exactly global, but I'm still jealous of him and I'm sorry to say that Holly has left us for pastures new. So it's just me this week, but luckily Ollie Kay was at Villa Park on Tuesday night for the Athletics, so he'll be along shortly to discuss that game with me. It'll actually be nice to get an outsider's perspective on where the club sits right now. But before we get into the Liverpool game, let's briefly catch up on the win at Burnley. Greg did make it to that one and he left us a short encapsulation of his thoughts before he packed up his caravan. We sprint quietly, but Aston Villa are finally starting to look like a decent team again. This was probably the most complete performance of the season and the only blot on the card was the last goal that they conceded. Just look at Emmy Martinez's reaction and you'll learn about how much it hurt to those Villa players when, when they did concede late on, but... I don't think this was a day to focus on any of the negatives. You know, Villa were very impressive throughout. Probably the best performance under Steven Gerrard. You know, it was certainly up there with the performances against uh, Leeds and against Southampton. And I think that Villa just seemed to find a way to win against these lower ranked teams in the division now. They're making light work of the likes of Norwich and Southampton, as I mentioned, and, and Burnley. And the fact that they've got Burnley again in just a couple of weeks I think they'll go into that game with a lot of confidence. The positives from from the day, I think Emi Buendia was excellent, scored a goal and set up another and played a part in the third. I think that his introduction into the team ahead of Philippe Coutinho was justified. Uh, It'd be interesting to see whether he keeps his place on Tuesday. I think Ings and Watkins both scoring again was another positive. You know, the the fact that they've both scored in back-to-back games now, clearly there's there's a, a nice chemistry developing between the two and also Callum Chambers in defensive midfield helped some of the others thrive around him. I thought that at times he did struggle with the pace of the game a little bit, he struggled to get up and down maybe as effectively as, as some of the other midfielders in his position uh, have previously but what he did offer was just that solidity in front of the defence and, and, and it just gave the likes of McGinn and Louise and then obviously Buendillings and, and, and Watkins that licence to to attack and, and create and, and, and those were the guys who really caused the damage. 
if there was any negative, it was it, it was letting the goal in late on. You know, Villa, Villa have worked very hard to try and keep clean sheets in the last couple of weeks, and and it would have been three in a row. So that will be disappointing. So yeah, it's all on to Liverpool on on Tuesday night, a really tough game. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how they cope against one of the best teams in the division. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month at the moment for the first six months. Just head to theathletic.com slash villapod. By doing that, you'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Sign up now. On to Tuesday night then, and Steven Gerrard welcomed Liverpool to Villa Park for the first time since taking charge. He had led Villa at Anfield in December, of course, a narrow 1-0 defeat that day. But this was a much more positive performance as we took the fight to Jurgen Klopp's quadruple chasers. Let's hear what Gerrard made of the performance. I can't ask for any more from my players. Um, look, we've conceded two poor goals, so we'll, we'll certainly analyse that. But outside of that, the players have given me heart, they've given me passion, desire, they've given me quality. And... Um, We've put in a really good performance, but unfortunately, it's just not enough. But I can't be any more prouder and happier with the performance that my players give. We should always have a purpose. You know, we want to try and finish in the top half of this league. And we realise and respect who we're playing, but it doesn't matter the opponents, especially here at Villa Park. We need to show fight, commitment, and application. And I thought every single one of my players gave me 100% and more. So we shouldn't be too down. Okay, we're, we're disappointed with the result, but I'm so proud of my team. I'm so happy with what they've given. And we move on to the next game. When you take the lead and you're in a good place, we need to stay in front for a longer period. We need to be more calm. But listen, we also have to realise we're playing against the best players in the world. Um, they're in a fantastic place, so you've got to pay credit where it's due. Both goals are disappointing from our point of view. But um, you know we could have scored a few more goals tonight. Some of our link-up play, some of our creative play was outstanding. We, we've had a 1v1, we've had a header, we, we've put in some dangerous situations. So... We've done everything, but we just couldn't find that second goal to take something from the game. I'm really pleased that we're getting the opportunities. I know on another day we can take them chances. Um, I thought it was a fantastic match. I thought you had two teams giving it everything they've got, but I'm so proud of my players, what they gave tonight. I can't ask for any more. And um, I've just made sure that they're not sad or down leaving the dressing room. They should be proud of themselves. Steven Gerrard there, post-match as Villa fell to a 2-1 defeat at home to Liverpool. I'm joined now by Oli Kay. Oli was at the game last night as well, covering it for The Athletic. Oli, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. A little bit tired. Same, same. Good, good to have you on the podcast, though. <laughs> you released your piece this morning. Some, I thought you summed it up very, very well, the, the mood of the Villa fans, the, the tale of the evening. Villa, unlucky, put up a good fight against what is an elite football team. Yeah, I thought, I mean... Particularly when when you consider so much of the, the pre-match talk was oh well you know it's it's Steven Gerrard against Liverpool will they roll over will they make will they make it easy for, and it's just it's so naive to think that of any team I think but especially a Steven Gerrard team Steven, Steven Gerrard you saw it was like at, at Anfield back in December you know he barely barely acknowledged that adoring crowd at Anfield. Same last night um, with Liverpool fans. He just he just wants to get a result. It, it, he knows a, a result against Liverpool you know, is incredibly important, not just for his career and people's perceptions of his career, but for the job he's doing right now against Villa. And he, it was clear that they'd really worked on shape, game plan, and attitude, and, and sort of attacking Liverpool's perceived weaknesses. And you know, they, 
I thought it was a really good performance. That um, yeah, particularly particularly the first half when when you know Villa were unlucky not to be going in ahead at the break. But it was um, yeah, I, I, I think Gerard summed it up nicely. It was you know you couldn't fault bravery, ambition, creativity, um, attitude, heart, desire, etc. And it was it was. Two lapses, I think, that were that were punished by a really good team. Just just back to the Gerrard stuff. The, the stuff that comes his way, the questions before he's about to play Liverpool both times. I just found them quite disrespectful. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody at Villa about this last week, and I was saying that you know it, it's it's inevitable. It's what you get when you when you appoint Stephen Gerrard. You know he, he is you know, massively associated with one club rather than another and you know it's like Mark Hughes used to I remember Mark Hughes used to get it when he was um, managing Blackburn and even managing Manchester City against Manchester United it was you know it was it was you know that there is that hinterland that you can't get away from and that people are fascinated by particularly in a game of this magnitude but it's yeah I get why it annoys people at Villa I get why it probably annoys Gerard when he just wants to talk about his own team and focus on his own team. And I think, I think if Villa fans have ever sort of listened to the, you know, the, the interviews or, or read the media coverage when it's been about Gerard and Liverpool and Gerard and his love affair with Liverpool, I don't, I think it's probably clear after you know, nearly six months of Gerard at Villa that he's, he's all in with this and he's, he's totally focused and um, it, it, yeah, that, that's what he's, that's that's what he's entirely focused on. You know, same as Lampard at Everton. You know, there'll always be talk about Chelsea, even if it's you know a job that he's already had and 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 not been able to keep. But you look at him. You look at any manager. You you, you can't go into a you can't go into a management job like that and be and be half hearted about it. And I don't think anybody who um, who saw Jared at Rangers or saw or seen him at Villa would would say he's in any way half-hearted about it. He's he's all in. No, he's definitely distanced himself from Liverpool since since he's been at Villa. When he is asked those questions, that's nice yeah. to see from a Villa perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, from minute one, really, atmosphere was up at Villa yeah, Park. Really. Always always a good atmosphere under the lights at Villa Park, and Villa couldn't have wished for a better start. Ollie, there was there was a real intensity to the way Villa Villa played the game and. I don't know how I don't watch every single Liverpool game, but it felt like there was a, a real plan to get at them from, from the start, really go at them, and they to put them under pressure and got that early goal, the perfect start. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, you know, Liverpool had made a few changes, and and look, they they weren't to weaken the team; they were to make the team stronger when Fresher. when there are a few tired legs and tired minds. But Villa really went for them, and and it was as if they sensed blood, and you could tell that that was that was a, a message coming from the coach and uh, and from the manager and it was yeah it was i thought that was i don't I'm, i'd have to wrap my brain but apart from you know maybe villarreal last, last week in the champions league yeah and manchester city actually but i can't remember another team starting like that against liverpool this season and starting so aggressively putting them on the back foot scoring really early and you know maybe you know maybe scoring too early if that doesn't sound daft um and just getting a little bit overexcited. I don't know, but it it was, you know, that 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 first half performance was really really good. It was so intense, sort of pushing you know Liverpool's fullbacks back, putting them in in uncomfortable, uncomfortable positions, overloading against them two against one, dangerous crosses, not just not just hopeful crosses, but dangerous crosses with Louise and other uh, and others running into the box. I thought it was a really intelligent, strategic, aggressive 
first half performance. And um, yeah, I, I think it was. I think uh, Liverpool were grateful for the half-time whistle. Yeah, straight from the off, you've got Ings, you've got Watkins pressing. I actually like you make reference Gerard's change of systems actually in, in your piece, but I think two up top. I know it's what Villa played the last the last couple of games anyway, or ended up playing the last couple of games. Feels like a good way to, to get a Liverpool the, the way they defend, the way they defend so high up two strikers that, that are pressing them. They were a big part of it from minute one as well because they, they didn't really let Liverpool breathe. Yeah, I mean you could you could look at the chances that Ings missed, and you know the one the one that ran away from him in the second half in particular. I mean maybe against maybe against a keeper who isn't as sort of formidable at one on ones like Allison is. You know maybe maybe Ings would have got away with that with that and got through and scored, but. Um, I thought Villa's two forwards were were excellent. I mean, Watkins looked like he, you know, had in mind what he'd done to Liverpool last season, and yeah. Ings, Ings looked like he had the inside knowledge of somebody who shared a dressing room with with, with those guys and had a point to prove. Um, it, I, I just felt it was a really, um, I mean, it was it was it was a really aggressive performance, really energetic performance. I think they, I think. Van Dijk, you don't very often see him looking uncomfortable, but you know, two of the two of the very few occasions since he's been at Liverpool four and a half years have been at, have been at Villa Park, and and he's, I don't think he enjoys playing against Watkins. I, I don't imagine he and Matip enjoyed playing against Danny Ings, and uh, yeah, it was, it, th- those two played really well, and I, I know people would have liked to see Coutinho uh, and Buendia together against. Um, Against Liverpool, probably with the front two, because everybody always wants loads of loads of attack-minded players on the pitch. No, no, nobody ever wants um, the sort of boring, safe, pragmatic options. But it was it was well, the game plan wasn't boring, was it? It was it was it was, it was aggressive. It it worked in terms of taking Liverpool into areas they didn't want to go into and and putting them really on the back foot that first half. Probably gave Villa the, the best chance of, of winning that they could have had as well. That game plan, so although they did, they didn't win or they didn't take anything from the game. I, I don't think you can really knock the game plan no, at, no. at all, no. really. Even Klopp couldn't. No, no, no. I think he was <laughs> quite complimentary, wasn't he? Wasn't he after after the game about about Villa? Annoyingly, though, if you do go ahead early, like you say, they almost scored too early. You need just five, ten minutes of of, of set, settling time. Villa didn't do that. Villa managed to consider a clumsy goal from a, from a set piece, and when you've gone to the effort of getting ahead and you've got yourself ahead so early it's so important to sit on it but Villa just couldn't do it and a poor goal from a set piece Ola. yeah it was a it was a really poor one to, to, to concede and and you know that I think Tyrone Mings I mean I, I don't know how I don't know precisely how he was sort of left sort of flat-footed with the ball under his feet but I mean it was it was it was one of a sort of chain reaction of of Little mistakes, which which um, which which led to the um, which led to the goal. It was you know it wasn't just it wasn't just Tyrone Mings getting sort of his, his feet in a muddle. It was it was just it was just a messy goal. I even thought that the, the the line you know I didn't know whether they were trying to play offside you know, or keep a high straight offside trap or, or but it looked it looked a bit higgledy piggledy as the ball came in and it was uh, yeah it was it was just sort of. Yeah, Liverpool. You know, Jota then won the fifty-fifty. Matic got a touch, and Van Dijk. You know, it was it was the second ball fell to Liverpool. Third ball fell to Liverpool. Fourth yeah. ball. It was it was it was a it was um it was not. You know, I, I think you could look at the um the second Liverpool goal and say that despite the the, the lapse by Louise in, in the build-up, you could say that was a that was a brilliantly worked goal in the end. Whereas the um, 
Whereas the, the the equaliser was just it was just a messy goal. It was kind of goal no no team even on a park on a Sunday wants to <laughs> wants to concede. Um, it was yeah it was just a bit um, a bit of a mess really. Hint of a, I've only seen it back a couple of times. Was there a hint of a foul in there, or am I just clutching at straws a little bit on Conser the Jota on Conser one? It was it was I mean his, his feet were quite high, but he, you know he got to the ball quite early, didn't he? And you know I could see um, you know the the the, the were Liverpool complaints about about what was an offside and been the build up to the first and uh, you know to look to me like that was in you know that that was too far back in the build up rather than um rather than um you know i i would have expected both both of those goals to stand you know you can sometimes see those goals disallowed but it would have been a it would have been a bit harsh and one or other of them did this loud, I think. Villa weren't deterred, though. They're very easy to go under when, when you've conceded and when you've, when you've had something bad happen to you after, after going ahead. But Villa didn't really. They kept they kept going at Liverpool. I think Coutinho put one just over the bar and to continue to create chances, really. Luca Dean was always a threat down that, down that left-hand side. And you do kind of feel that, you know, when you watch Villa play a team like Liverpool, and I felt the same when they, when they played Man City at Villa Park as well, they're not too far away, really, because they're, they're taking games to these teams. Yeah, I mean... Not too far away sounds a bit daft when I'm just sort of looking at the table and, you know, 11, 43 points from 35 games and, you know, much, much closer to, uh, you know, Leeds in the relegation zone than to West Ham in seventh in terms of points. But if you actually look at the the performance, I mean, I know that the game, the, the results against the top, is it the top eight teams sort of going down to Wolves have been really disappointing you know um, under Gerard but the performances even you know even the, even the performance against Spurs the other week yeah. lost 4-0 it wasn't a bad it wasn't a terrible performance and i think in a lot of those games they've kept it really competitive really tight and it's been you know as Gerard would say small details small margins um that have settled it in favor of a team with with you know superior players and in the case of Liverpool and Man City they, they, the, the 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 two games against Liverpool, the one game against um, Man City, and obviously there'll be another one on the final day of the season. That, you know, that they've been really competitive performances, good, strong performances, and of a type which suggests, yeah, Villa Villa could with a bit more quality, a bit more concentration, a bit more luck, I suppose at times, um, Get be getting points in the, in these games, and I think that perceptions around Villa and around Stephen Gerrard's Villa would be different. But there, you know, we see inconsistencies with Villa. I'd say you know they've been a bit streaky this season in terms of you know the good start and the, well the the decent start under Dean Smith, then the whatever it was five consecutive defeats, good start under Gerrard, then regressed a bit, then. It picked up a bit, three straight wins, I think it was, and then four straight defeats, and now seem to seeming to be ending the season on a you know on more of a high performance wise. But you do see those inconsistencies. You see those consistencies with you know Palace and Brighton and Leicester and 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 you know so all the mid table teams. I think in order to be better than better than that and to be a more consistent team it's it's you know that's that's the real that's the really tough thing to crack isn't it to be to go from a you know let's say let's say villa win two and draw one of the last three games which should be quite reasonable i think you know it'll be i'll be happy with that four, yeah that, that would be 49 points it would be probably enough to get 10th or something like that but 
to be a team that, you know, they got, was it 55 points last season? 54 or 55, yeah. But it's to, to get, to be that team that sort of, I don't know, threatens that, you know, to, to do what West Ham have done the last couple of seasons or what Leicester had done a couple of seasons before that is, it's really difficult because you're talking about like, I don't know, 10, 12 more points over the course of the season. It's, it's very difficult to be a team that, a mid-table team and then really take it up and, 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 you know, become a sort of Europe challenging team. But that is, that is the challenge, especially, you know, for a club of Villa size, having spent a lot of money and, and stabilised again in the Premier League. That, that is obviously the challenge. And it's definitely what Steven Gerrard wants. You say it'd be tough or not. I agree with you. Villa have lost 13 games, I believe, by one goal this season. Yeah, yeah. If you turn any of them, one of them into a win, a couple of draws thrown in there, you know, you, you then aren't far away from Wolves. You're not far away from West Ham. I think if you looked at Wolves 11 when, when Villa first came up and you, you sort of measured the two teams against each other, you would have said, well, Wolves have got a better squad right now. They, they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've built up... Um, over a few years, and 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 they're where they deserve, where they deserve to be. I think Wolves have done really well this season. I, I don't think many people would have had them in sort of eighth. Um, but I think Villa, are, you know, on paper, on paper, it looks a really good team. I I don't know whether I just, you know, as somebody who doesn't watch Villa as regularly as as you do and Greg Evans um, watch Villa, but it's I I feel like maybe I just see them on their good days. But it's it's. I, I I like Nakamba. I like Louise. I like Buendia. I like Cash. You know, um, Co- you know, Concer and Mings get a bit of grief when they when they make mistakes. But I, I, I think I think it's a, play, a, t- a team full of you know really good top half Premier League players. And to you know, it's not really it's, as you say. It's been small margins in a, in a lot of games this season. I know I know a lot of teams would say the same, but it's. They, they haven't sit, they haven't looked far away from that sort of Wolves West Ham level when I've seen them. But then there have games that there've been games I haven't seen, like the infamous Watford at home, and, and, and okay. <laughs> which um, which I know you know I know all those sort of deficiencies and shortcomings have, have, have reared their head. So um, I I feel like Villa aren't far away from being a, a better team. But when you but when it's that, those kind of inconsistencies that let you down again and again and when you are sort of a slightly streaky team it's not that easy to make that next step and you know it's not easy to do what West Ham have done the last two seasons I'll put it that way pains me when you when you bring up Watford the fact that they've took six points off it of this season it, no, it's unbelievable it's, it, it's mad when when you I mean look, I, I know every every team has got those sort of you know oh if we hadn't lost you know if we hadn't dropped points to this lot or that lot but you look at how Villa have performed in those big games, and not, you know, not really got what they what they deserved in some of those sort of big games against the better teams. Um, but then to to perform so poorly in some of the easy games, it, it is it is frustrating. It does, and it does point to a sort of mindset thing. Not not that they're you know incredibly flaky players or, or anything like that, but that it's it's just really difficult to iron iron that out into a team that's not only consistent week to week to week, but to a, a team that is consistent for 90 minutes and you're not going to get, you know, a goal like the second one, you know, where Douglas Louise, who I thought had a really good game, um, just allows himself to, you know, to, to, to be dispossessed by Thiago and then, 
Liverpool are away and sort of five seconds later it's in the net. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Talking of the bad performances that, that you just discussed, let's talk about John Moss. <laughs> strange, strange, strange evening from, from John Moss. I mean, you think if he's retiring, he wants to go out on a high. He seemed, seemed to want the opposite. Yes, just, I'm not even saying he was bad for just Villa, because I think he's probably bad for Liverpool as well in, in, in a lot of respects. But it was just a bizarre performance from him. And I don't think many people will be sad to see the back of him after last night. I really try to, you know, unless somebody, you know, unless we talk about a glaring error, which was game changing way and where it's, um, you know, um, you know, really kind of, you know, this has to be better. This, I really try to avoid kind of focusing on referees um, because I, I do think they've got a thankless task. I thought John Moss last night, I don't think he's ever been the best referee, if, 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 if I put it that way. There's an appearance thing with him where he looks sort of, you know, he used to be a school teacher actually, but he, he looks like he looks like the kind of, you know, geography teacher taking a PE lesson when the, when the, when the PE teacher's off. And, and he's got that kind of appearance. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's ever been, look, no, nobody's even positive about the, the good referees in the Premier League, like, like Michael Oliver and, um, and, Almost nobody else, but the um, it's um, but look, if, if you're a referee who just looks off the pace and does make mistakes, sometimes it's it's you know you're going to get a lot of grief. I thought I thought last night he looked like somebody who um, was probably counting down the days till he could. He, he, he was it wasn't. Yeah, he, he won't look back on his final game at Villa Park <laughs> that fondly, and it wasn't like. Yeah, and you know, I know there were, I know there was sort of questions raised about you know, the 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 Liverpool equaliser, but I, I don't feel like the game, the mistakes that he made, or the questionable ones, or the ones that got everybody's backs up on both teams, both managers, both sets of fans were. I don't think any any of them was were glaring. It just felt like he was behind the play, and he was he was guessing at times. I think, yeah, I think he looked like a, a referee who was um, probably ready to retire. Yeah, I don't for one second think that he cost Villa the game or or anything like no. that. He was he was like you said, it was almost like he was guessing with, with decisions. He got got so many little things wrong during the game, and it was actually it was a really good game anyway. But with a competent referee, I actually think it would have been an even better game. You, you could just sense the frustration and growing sort of bewilderment from the crowd, where you could see, you know, it would go out for a throw in, or, or there was a little you know, skirmish in midfield, and. Um, you know, they weren't they weren't necessarily big decisions, but there was just a growing sense of he doesn't know, 
he's 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 going to make he's going to point that way because he pointed that way the previous time. It, it's it's yeah. It's look, I I don't like slaughtering referees. I think they've got an absolutely thankless task. But it was. Um, I mean, all, yeah. All, all you'd say is, is that you know, none of them, none of them required a VAR intervention. None of them, none of them ended up on the back pages. Those decisions, they were just, they were just sort of. It was a succession of probably fairly marginal calls in some cases that you just seem to be getting wrong or questionable, and um, and yeah, thankfully it didn't cost anybody the game. But it's uh, yeah, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's, you know. He's done well. He's done well to have a career at that level. Let's let's um, let, and um, and I think um, I think probably the time has has come for him to concentrate on his um, his other pursuits, which are very interesting actually. Yeah, we won't dwell on John Moss. I just wanted to get your take on him because he has, like I say, a really bizarre display. <laughs> what did you make? What did you make of Philip Coutinho? I thought he looked leggy pretty much throughout, really, and he's not. He's not really been firing the last five or six games for Villa. Now Villa are going to sign him. Gerard wants him. The club want him. He'll, I think he'll be at Villa Park next season. He's had moments of absolute brilliance where you know he's really t- taking games to teams, and he, he's a world class player. And I don't for one second think Villa shouldn't sign him because they absolutely should. But he, he doesn't look quite right to me at the moment. Yeah, I, I find it a, a, a really interesting one because he's you know he, I think he's if you look at his, his impact since coming in in January, it has been. It has definitely been positive. It's it's been he's 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 made the team better. He's he's I think he started fourteen of the games. He's he's generally, um, but he's he's been he's been a bit. You know, I said the team's a bit sort of inconsistent, a bit streaky. I think I think you'd say he has been a bit like that. He's had sort of two good games on the run and two sort of poor games. I don't think he's necessarily sort of. You know, he he picked up the pace of the Premier League again straight away, but he's not. He's not necessarily quite found his place in this team, or maybe maybe he's just, maybe he's not really recovered his his own sort of match to match to match rhythm after the strange few seasons he's had at you know at Barcelona and um, briefly at Bayern. But he, he's you saw the quality that, that moment where he flicked the ball over. Oh yeah, Alexander Arnold's head and one two with Dinia and then. Um, a lovely shot which had you know which flew over the bar just over the bar um i mean that that's the quality that's the quality that you pay for but i, I just felt when Villa were playing really well in the first half he wasn't necessarily absolutely integral to that and when i saw Buendia coming on i thought well this is going to be interesting is he going to go for one up front or is he going to take Coutinho off and um, um and uh and put Buendia on and i think you know it, it was the it was the right decision i think to to replace um, Coutinho with Buendia and I thought Buendia looked so lively and full of ideas coming on um, and Jared was interesting actually when he spoke about it afterwards he said you know, I mean, he seemed quite sensitive to the suggestion that or the inference that he'd, he'd maybe got that decision wrong that he should have stuck with Buendia after after the game the other day but it was um, he was also saying you know sometimes I'll sometimes I'll you know I won't play too centre forward. Sometimes I play two number tens. Sometimes I play, you know, one of the tens out out wide, the other one in the middle. We'll play different systems. We need to change it match to match. I think that the the system was absolutely right yesterday. I I think you could um it, it it probably is a really good thing to be having the the flexibility that having both both of those guys brings. But it's it's I 
don't know. It, it, it's it's more. I suppose he's twenty nine. Is he? Um, it's you know 30, 30 in June. Looking at it, the wages are going to be big. Um, I, I look. It sounds like Villa. You know, he and Villa are, are desperate to. You know, Gerald and Villa are desperate to get the deal done and make it permanent. It's 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 one where you could feasibly you know find somebody out there that that could 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 do the same job and and and, and be you know eight years younger or, or whatever. But it's well, I say feasible, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? If you've got somebody in the building and they're and they're and they're playing well and they're contributing, um, yeah, it's it's probably hard to look away from that when they've got the quality and experience that Coutinho has. But it's. Um, it's yeah. I, I I'll be interested to see what the what the or hear what the finances involved are because it's um it's clear, you know it's clearly going to be big wages and it's you know the Villa are going to have other areas that they want to strengthen this summer. I personally still think it, it's a no-brainer because we aren't going to be able to attract world-class players at this point, and he is a world-class player, and he has got that relationship with Gerard, which has given Villa an advantage in getting him in. I think when he first came in. He got his confidence back quite quickly, probably felt a little bit of love that he hadn't had for a while and he started well and hit the ground running for Villa. For whatever reason, I feel like he's lost his confidence again at the minute. I mean, you might have seen more of Coutinho over the years than me when he was at Liverpool, for example. Has he always been a confidence player? I I would say he's always been a confident player. Um, he's always been, you know, when when he, when he was at Liverpool at least, you know, he was... He was never afraid of sort of running at people and, and dribbling at them and in that fantastic sort of futsal influenced dribbling style he's got and, and cracking a shot from you know twenty five yards, thirty yards and often finding the top corner. Obviously the last four years have been pretty tough for him in terms of the Barcelona experience and and, and just, you know, I think when players don't really feel wanted, don't really feel loved, you know, I think it probably can have a sort of long-term effect on that on their confidence, but you saw you, you know, as you said, you saw the the uplift when he arrived and the up, you know the uplift that he brought to Villa and um, the, the the immediate um, quality that he was showing. But yeah, the, the, the you know you look at the stats. You know, I don't think he scored since the Leeds game in what was that early March. Yeah. No, no assists since around the same time Southampton, and it's. You know, we shouldn't always just measure things in goals and assists, goal contributions, as people call them. But it's, it's. I think you look at the team's performance without him at, at Burnley, and you look at, um, you look at him being. I, I, I just felt he was a bit peripheral against against Liverpool um, at times. You, at times, you saw the quality, but it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like you were looking at him thinking, yeah, he, he's the guy who's taken Villa to the next level. I think it was a really really strong team performance and um he was he was perhaps one of the weaker links on the night but that that's that's, that's probably harsh but it's it's um yeah I, I i don't think it's i don't think it's look from the outside and i don't watch anything like as much as you do and i'm totally um <laughs> i might be speaking out of turn or might, might be misjudging the situation Completely, but I I wouldn't have said it was a, a no brainer to sign him out. Okay, I would say he, he you know he's he's shown his quality, but sometimes a player can show their quality and be a good good player for a sort of half season impact, but not be um you know if you if you're giving him a say a, a three year contract it's, it's a 
to take him from when he's 30 to when he's 33 or something like that. And when he's not had, he's had a good two months at Villa followed by a sort of less good, less good two months. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's easy to say that that's a great investment for the next three years, but I'm, yeah, I, I'm aware that that's not the view within the club and it's, um, and, and within the fan base. So I'm probably really wrong. No, I think there's probably more people that agree with you from a Villa side, from Villa fans, than than, than you would think. Actually, I think it's probably around a fifty-fifty split mm. from what I say at the moment. But it will be interesting to see what happens in the summer. I, I do think they'll get him, but we will see what happens. Just before I let you go, Villa haven't finished top half since the two thousand and ten two thousand and eleven season. Is it a big psychological thing that, that they do that this season, heading into next season? I think. I mean, look. Whether you finish, you know, you, they'll finish with fewer points than last season, I think, because that was that was, um, you know, that's probably a better a better gauge of, of a team's performance over the course of the season than the league position. Sometimes it's it's you know you can finish, you know, the big seasons seasons when teams have finished in the top half with a lot fewer points than than Villa got last season, and um, you know Villa could finish ninth or you know ninth with fewer points this time. So it's 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 I don't think I don't think top half or not. You know, top half is a good challenge for Gerald to set his players, and and, and it's good sort of yardstick, I suppose. But I, I would say, you know, if they're if they're say we win two the next three or win one and then draw one, and then take a draw at Man City on the final day. You know, I think that would all be an incredibly positive end to the season, and and what's been a, a season of change. And then you'd expect um, Gerald to make some you know good good signings. High caliber signings, I think, in, the, in 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 the summer. If you were to look at all the teams that are sort of outside the top seven or so, you would say Everton, if they stay up, should be strong next season. Newcastle, with what what's going on there, should be stronger next season. I think you'd say Villa should be stronger next season, and maybe you know maybe maybe Leicester, depending on what, what what they do. But it's 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 really competitive. It's getting more and more competitive, and. You know, finishing the top half isn't that easy, you know. But yeah, I, I, I would say it would feel progressive to, to finish in the top half because that because that record is you know for a club of Villa size it's it, it just isn't good enough, is it? And you know it's not even as if that 2010-11 season was 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 a great one or a particularly memorable one. It was it was the, the Julio season, wasn't it? After Martin O'Neill had left, it it felt like things were sort of going downhill. And um, yeah. It, it, it would be nice, I'm sure, to, to finish in the top half. But I think you can probably look at areas that where improvements have been made over the course of the season, not so necessarily from last season, but over the course of the season. And you can look at areas that, that there's room for improvement and there's areas that, that definitely will be improved next season. So I think I don't think top half or, or not is, is the be-all or end-all, but I think finishing the season with another three good performances is... Um, is really important, and it's, it's it's interesting as well that you know they've been in this position where they've they've been playing against sort of teams that have got so much to play for. You know, Norwich I know were sort of a bit down and out, but but Burnley at the weekend, Liverpool, um, and it's Burnley again, isn't it? And then obviously Man City. You know, it could be um, Villa could could be having a, a say in a lot of the big issues, but I don't think anybody who was um, wondering what kind of Villa performance they would get against. Steven Gerrard's former club, but I, you know, I don't think um, I don't think anybody would be um, would be disappointed <laughs> by by the way Villa applied themselves.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Villa women finished their WSL campaign on Sunday with a record crowd at Villa Park to see the Second City Derby. Unfortunately for the 8,000 fans who showed up on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, it wasn't the result we were looking for. An early error from the returning Hannah Hampton gifted Blues the lead, and despite dominating possession and territory, Villa just couldn't find the net. We're told that strikers are incoming this summer, and goals are what this team really needs. Here are the thoughts of manager Carla Ward. Defensively attack, but only one stat matters in the end, and um, I think we battered them completely, dominated the game. Sadly, it's a, it's a mistake that's cost us, but it's a difficult one to take because you sit there and you have a look at the game and uh, we've completely dominated it. But like I said, only one, one stat matters and that's the fact that we've, we've lost the game. We spoke about it, we knew they'd come out, we knew that they've got nothing to play for now and it was a bit of a free, free hit for them. So it's, it, we're disappointed, we're really disappointed. We're disappointed with the start, we're disappointed with the goal. Um, we're disappointed that we're on the end of a defeat because actually at periods today we've played really well but ultimately um, we've got to learn when a team like Birmingham come here and put 11 bodies behind the ball we've got to try and learn how to break that down and be patient with that. We know that the final third's been a problem and it's something that obviously we'll absolutely address in the window but um, yeah look what this girl, this group, this season have been sensational. There's been highs, there's been lows, but um, they're an unbelievable group to work with. They'll hurt from this. Um, and I said to him, we've got to use this ready to go in pre-season. And um, yeah, whilst it was the last day of the season, we wanted it to, to be finishing on a high naturally. But um, they're a resilient group. They'll stick together and we'll go again. Today will hurt, like you say, but how pleased were you to finish the season in front of such a good crowd? Yeah, and you heard them. At one point, when they start, all started singing, I think after we had three or four attempts on goal in the space of a minute, and uh, you really heard, um, you really heard them. So it was sensational. And I think Lee said there was obviously a few thousand first time to a, to a women's game, which is positive. So hopefully they'll come back. Hopefully the performance is enough for, to bring them back. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a really tough one standing here right now on the back of a defeat. So I think listen. 
we've got to bring bodies through the door, we know that. Obviously, we've identified the number of bodies, so it's about really getting, uh, getting down to work and getting them in. Um, there'll obviously be a holiday for the staff mentally. Um, but I think it's really important that we, we get bodies through the door, quality bodies, bodies that we know that are going to improve us, and then obviously look forward to pre-season. Yeah, like the men's team, I feel like the Villa women aren't too far away from being a really good side, but they, they just can't put the ball in the back of the net. And like I said just before the interview, they need to get some goal scorers in. I think I think that will really revamp the side and, and change the direction that they're heading in. But Carla Ward, I spent a lot of time with her last week. Really, really impressive character, and the Villa women are in safe hands. There was a great reception for Anita Asante on her final bout as a professional footballer and playing in front of that crowd at Villa Park left her in a positive mood about the direction the team is headed in despite the result. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. You know, that's what we want, you know, for our club, but the women's game in general. And it's a lovely way to cap off my time here, my journey uh, in football. Um, like you mentioned, the homecoming at Arsenal was just uh, unbelievable, you know, and such an overwhelming um, experience. But I, I couldn't have really asked for anything better. Were you perhaps surprised by how quickly Birmingham came out of the blocks today? Yeah, I think we, we knew what to expect. We knew that they would be a, t- a dogged team. You know, they, they're really hardworking and they're really dangerous in the counter-attack and transition moments. And, you know, a mistake cost us today. But um, there's lots of positives to take as well for moving on to next season. And that's the most important thing is that there's progression uh, beyond this season. If you look at last season compared to now, you know, we've dominated possession in a number of games and we're showing that belief as a team and as a squad, um, creating chances. And now it's a case of being clinical, you know, in the moments that matter and the moments that lead to outcomes in terms of results. So that's definitely going to be, I'm sure, the focus for next season. The building blocks are here. They've been in place all season. Um, and, you know, we have a great attitude in terms of the players and the staff and a drive to, to progress and move forward. So there's no reason why we can't build on this season and hopefully be even more clinical uh, next season. And for you personally, what will the next couple of months involve for you? <laughs> um, I think putting my feet up, <laughs> resting a little bit, enjoying uh, being around you know, my friends and family and everyone again, and um, just taking it all in and reflecting on this journey and hopefully then diving back into it in some capacity. And if you haven't checked it out already, Flo Lord Hughes has a brilliant summary of tributes to Anita. It really, really is a great piece and you can see the mark that she's left on the women's game and football in general. So if you haven't read that yet, go and check it out because it's a lovely read. Just one more line to catch up on. Mark Delaney, the under-23s manager, he's going to be leaving Aston Villa at the end of the season. We wish him well with whatever's next. We're going to get more details on that next week with Greg when he's back from his trip. But until then, you can read the latest updates on Aston Villa on The Athletic. And if you're not a subscriber already, don't forget, it's just £1 per month for your first six months of The Athletic when you sign up at theathletic.com slash villapod. Thanks to Oli Kay for joining me. Here's to three points against Palace on Sunday. Have a great rest of the week and up the villa. Athletic.